This is the Rocky Road Podcast. Brought to you by Rockspile.com. High drive went high and deep right field. Get up and get out. Davis's pitch. Strike three called. The Rockies are going to the postseason. Drive to left field. Larry Walker making three. Going back is Slater. Ryan McMahon. It's gone. Now, here's your host, Jake Shapiro. Welcome into the Rocky Road Podcast. It's been a little bit. Uh, we're doing these like every week now, but we're trying to get them tighter, and hopefully we'll do a couple more during the homestand. Anyway, uh, who is we? Well, it's just me, and I'm Jake Shapiro. Follow me on Twitter at Shapalicious. Read my writing, rockspile.com. Uh, Associated Press, Denver Post, scout.com. A lot of places. Just follow my Twitter feed and click on the links I send and avoid all of the bullshit I talk about between the links because the links are what keep me employed and keep this podcast going. The bullshit between is trying to tear me apart. I should make one of those memes like uh, of like uh, you, you saw the Grubauer save last night, of course. I should make like a me and then the Grubauer save like uh, like the tweets are basically trying to tear apart me from my job while I do my job on Twitter because my tweets are just I, I know I'm aware of the tweets. Let's put it that way. Anyway. Rockies won tonight. They have won four in a row after a losing streak of several games, which was no fun for anyone. In fact, the losing streak lasted eight games, which matches some of the longer losing streaks of the last few years in which the Rockies have gone to the playoffs. But they got things corrected in San Diego. They won tonight in against Philadelphia at Coors Field. And they're now 7-12, and and they've got a chance to finish the month 500 after all of that bad start. And unsurprisingly, the offense looks great. Now that David Dahl and Ryan McMahon are back in it, but the offense started to look right out in San Diego without the two of them, so that's a good sign because the offense truly didn't look good at any point in the season up until that San Diego series. Uh, And then, of course, you get the good pitching. John Gray's been spectacular. Herman Marquez threw one of the best games in Rockies history last Sunday. And Kyle Freeland looked like he was trying to one-up Marquez tonight, and the only thing that held him back was the fact that he had a blister. So... I think the Rockies, uh, and and this is a change of pace from the last podcast where I was just yelling into a microphone, are in a pretty solid place now. But I don't think their holes have been exposed yet. And when I talk about their holes, I mean, Bud Black barely had any confidence in DJ Johnson two nights ago after he walked two guys. I mean, we saw Carlos Estevez almost blow a lead tonight before Ryan McMahon blow it open. The bullpen looks like it's going to be really bad. The depth will be an issue all year if guys get injured again. But if McMahon, Dahl, and then Murphy come back and they're all healthy, they could be okay. But that is a lot of ifs. And, again, I've talked about this a lot. The Rockies' margin for error this year is so thin, and that's why I don't like the club that much. And you see it in a game like tonight. The margin for error, even in a game they end up winning by, I think, four runs – It could have flipped there in the seventh inning. It was very, very thin, and the offense didn't get going on Zach Eflin, of all people, 
who had an eight-career ERA in Coors Field until the sixth inning. So I think there is a lot to like from the last few days, but I don't think you can just gloss over the Rockies' holes as well. Uh, I mean, I, I still am where I was before. I, I mean, I don't necessarily see this as a playoff team. I think it's still way too early to be doing that. I, I think this is a team that's going to end up winning 85 games and being very, very good. And I think a big reason for that is the guy who hit two home runs tonight, and that's Ryan McMahon. And I, I loved that from Ryan McMahon because just on a personal side, uh, I mean, I saw Ryan back in the clubhouse, was very happy to see him. You can read my story on rockspile.com about that. And I ended up having about a 40-minute conversation with Ryan, as I do probably once a month, once every other month, just about life, about different sports things. And, I mean, we were talking about quarterbacks, Broncos quarterbacks, le legitimately, uh, in other things of that nature, whether it was sporting or not. Uh, and it was just a good, cheery conversation, and that's the kind of guy he is. He's a normal guy playing Major League Baseball, and that's why I like Kyle Freeland, too. And he gets back out there, and he's a huge talent, and he's a huge piece for the Rockies, and he need, he, he's someone they need around the clubhouse. He's a steady piece, and he can continue to be – it's a four-game win streak, by the way. I messed that up. Uh, but he, he can continue to be someone that's really influential to this ball club, both in his talent and his demeanor. And I was really happy to see him succeed tonight. And I think that tonight was the night that he announced his arrival to Denver. Uh, maybe not Major League Baseball. Maybe not the casual sports fan in Denver because they're watching the Nuggets game. But it, it's one thing to hit a big home run in your rookie season. Pat Vileka did that plenty of times. It's another thing to hit two home runs in a game, in a game where there's expectation for you to succeed where you're the starter and there's nothing behind you. And Ryan McMahon, through a very, very short amount of time in March and April, is proving that he is up to the task of being a starter in Major League Baseball, which is unsurprising because this guy's got star quality all written all over him. But still, you need to walk before you can run. You need to jog before you can run. And Ryan's in that step of jogging right now. And it's great to see him starting to not only realize what he can do at the big league level, but succeed and build on that. And I think that's what Ryan's going to do. I think Ryan is finally comfortable, and we're seeing that. It's not just an inconspicuous situation or a lucky situation that he runs into uh, uh, an advantageous situation in his rookie year, and he runs into a fastball, which I believe kind of happened a little bit last year, but that does not speak anything negatively on his talent. Now, I do think something's really big, and that's Antonio Sensatella getting healthy because this guy is so good, and no one talks about it, but this guy started a playoff game last year for the Rockies, and the only thing that kept him from winning that game was not him, but the offense not scoring any runs. And he's going to be back in the rotation. Tyler Anderson's going to come back into the rotation towards the end of this homestand. I think he'll be in the rotation on Sunday or Monday, probably Monday. And Chad Bettis goes to the bullpen, and, and the Rockies need answers in that bullpen. I think Anderson's a better option in the bullpen than Chad Bettis, but either way, they're going to need someone to lock down the seventh inning because it's just not happening thus far. And quite honestly, I'd have a really nice piece uh, prepared on Scott Oberg, and I've had to ditch it because I don't think that he's looked okay thus far, which speaks to the volatil volatility uh, of relievers year in and year out. So... I really don't have answers on the bullpen right now, um, and I don't think that we've necessarily gotten to the point 
where we're looking at the bullpen going, oh, they're costing us games. So that's kind of scary. But the starters are quite literally the best starters in Rockies history, and they're one guy away from having a starting five that would be considered the best in baseball. I mean, they're Tyler Anderson, Chad Bettis, that fifth spot away from being one of the best in baseball. I mean, uh, if they had Dallas Keuchel, which they're not going to do, they would be considered uh, one of the best rotations in baseball. So, yeah, I mean, I, I see what people who are so high on this club see. I understand what they're looking at, but I still see some things with this club that is very troubling. Um, and the start, even at this point, now it's 7-12, and 12, which is all right. I don't love because these games in April and March and May, while you might be saying, oh, it's so early, it doesn't matter, they count the exact same as the games in October and September. The more you win now, the more you put in the bank, the more you don't have to worry about at that time of year when the games actually become tough and there's something on the line. When both of your teams are hurt, when everyone's fatigued, I mean, the more you win now, the better. And beating up on a Philadelphia team who, yeah, they're the best team in the NL East right now, but I don't think they're actually that good. I see some th things there. Like, they look a lot like last year's Cardinals to me where they kind of hate their manager. I think they hate their manager, and once their manager's gone, they're going to end up being really good because there's a lot of talent on that team. They're deep, man. They're really, really deep. But... I mean, we'll see it next week and then the week after with Washington and Atlanta. We're getting a tour of the NL East, and most likely one of those three teams is going to be a wildcard team, and there's a chance that two of those three teams are wildcard teams. So you're seeing right now, as you saw last year, when Ozzie Albies came to Coors Field and absolutely murdered everyone that ever wanted to like the Rockies, you're seeing what you're going to go against in October. So the wins you get right now, while you're saying, all right, it doesn't really matter. It's not like you're playing Arizona. It's not like you're playing Kansas City. It's not like you're playing the White Sox. It's not like you're playing teams that do not really matter. You're playing teams thus far. The only exception thus far is Miami that either are in your division or are going to have an impact on the postseason. So that's why I think these games have mattered a little bit more than the normal games in April. So it's a bad time, bad luck injuries uh, with, with terms of wet timing and, and all that. But still, you have to be able to survive them. And I don't want to be the, the injuries butt guy because there's no real answer for injuries. Yet on the other hand, the Los Angeles Dodgers seem to have all those answers. Colorado Rockies don't have the money for those answers. When you're in a non-salary cap sport, you can make injuries go away and bad contracts go away rather easily. And I do want to give a shout-out uh, to, speaking of bad contracts, Ian Desmond, who had a great series in San Diego. Like, if I'm going to shit on him all the time, like, he was great. So uh, maybe he can turn it around. I've been hearing some reports that he's been actually a bright life of positivity within the clubhouse here lately. So take it or leave it as it is. But those are the same people that weren't the crazy people coming up with those narratives 
in the middle of his death streaks the last two years. These are people that are actually being honest. So uh, maybe something's changed because they, they, they need it to. But uh, the other thing that I haven't even addressed, and this guy went on the DL too, is Chris Iannetta went on the DL, and all of a sudden the Rockies have Tony Walters and Drew Butera. And I think Tony Walters is a lot better of a player than people have ever given him credit for. The offense has never really been there, and I think the offense has the potential to be there. You saw it today with a three-hit game. I mean, he's not going to hit home runs, but if he can find the gaps, he can be a solid player, and his defense is solid. And, you know, he went into a tough spot today. He's not Kyle Freeland's normal catcher. He's only worked with him one time in the last two years, and he caught a brilliant game for Kyle. So uh, I think Tony Walters can be pretty good, and if Chris Iannetta can be a legitimate backup, which I believe he can be, maybe that catching issue is solved. But Drew Butera is not the answer. And I would have liked them to go out and get the, the guy from the Red Sox, Blake Swihart, even despite his start, because I think they need that versatility, and he's a guy that could have played outfield, and the outfield is still a disaster a little bit. Um, it's too early to be doing this, too, but Charlie Blackman. At what point... At what point do the fans turn on him? I'm serious. At what point do people start turning on Charlie Blackman? Because he hasn't been good for a year and a half now. My fan correspondent here says July, but at Blake Street Tavern, by the way. I'm here at Blake Street Tavern. It's the best bar in Denver. Everyone's happy and cheery here. I'll be watching the... Denver Nuggets, who are in the postseason, play here Saturday before the Colorado Rockies. Big game against the Phillies with one of the Colorado Buffalo's assistant coaches. So, like I always say, you'll never know who you're going to run into at the Blake Street Tavern. I'm just saying. I'm not name dropping. I'm just saying you never know who you're going to run into here. And a fan who apparently listens to my podcast just ran into me here and bought me a vodka cranberry. So cheers to that. And cheers to you for knowing that I have some really bad stomach issues, so vodka cranberries are all I'm drinking nowadays, which is very sad. Also, I said something really depressing in my last podcast, Luke, and I don't know if you caught it. I can say your name, right? I don't have to scrub it. Okay, good. Um, and I realized that after the fact, I just, in the middle of the podcast, I go, uh, like, yeah, that's the sign of a broken person because I'm a broken person, and then we just, we just moved on. Like, that's kind of messed up that we just moved on from there. Jenna's like, oh, now is the time to not dwell and, like, keep it moving. I don't know what Jenna was going to do with that, but, like, I just like that that was the time where Jenna wasn't like, all right, I'll reiterate Chap's point or I'll go back over it or whatever. It was like, yeah, let's just keep it moving from that point forward. But, uh, yeah, anyway, uh, back to Rockies baseball. And, yeah, I, did, I just did the thing, yeah. Taking really good care of my mental health here. Uh, but back to the point I was making earlier in which I'm stalling right now to remember the point I was making earlier about the Colorado Rockies and their baseball club, which is 6-12 and 12 on the year as I speak here at Blake Street Tavern after the Colorado Rockies win, 6-2 win over the Philadelphia Phillies. Really good at the stalling thing, aren't I? <laughs> I'm still stalling. But uh, the outfield thing with Charlie Blackman, see there you go. No dead air. He needs to hit for power. I think his bunt single today was a good sign because at least he made contact with the ball. I mean, I've been the biggest Charlie Blackman backer of all time. I mean, I mean it's true. I mean, you need to, see, you need to get that visualization. I think it helps. 
But I, I've been the biggest Charlie Blackman guy. I was the guy who said he was going to have a bigger year than Nolan Arenado the year that he ended up having a bigger year than Nolan Arenado in 2017. I said that they should pay him. I said that it was a big win. I'm all in on Charlie Blackman. But if this keeps going down the way it's going, that's going to look just as bad as the Ian Desmond contract. Like, brutally honest. And I don't think that that's going to keep going down the way it's going. I think Charlie's going to turn it around eventually. But there's going to become a point very soon here where the fans are going to turn on him because he has not been the same player for two years. And last year was injuries, and this year it's a slow start. But when you get paid that amount of money and there's an expectation for you guys to go to the postseason, accountability comes in. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. Like, that's not a bad thing that the fans expect the Rockies to go to the postseason now because – that's crazy considering where we were just three years ago. So um, I am all for the fans doing whatever the hell they want. I'm not going to be the journalist that says you can't boo Will Barton because I think that's ridiculous. I'm not going to be the journalist who stands here and says you should fan or not fan the way you're going to do like Chris Iannetta is doing on Twitter. I think that's ridiculous. I think you're allowed to be irrational. I think you're allowed to be fans. Like that's the whole point. You get paid so you can live vicariously through a couple people that you actually have no association with and just scream and drink beer. Like, that's cool. Like, that's fine. And you take your identity, and it's a communal pride thing in that. But I do think Charlie Blackman has earned a ton of respect, and I do think Charlie Blackman has earned the benefit of the doubt, and that's why I spoke no negative words about him last year despite his struggles. I made excuses for him, and I'll continue to do so up until a point. But they need this guy. I mean, flat and simple, they need this guy. I mean, the lineup last year was legitimately Trevor Story, Nolan Arenado, two months of DJ LeMayhew, a month of Charlie Blackman, and a month of Carlos Gonzalez. If they get Trevor Story, Nolan Arenado, Ryan McMahon, David Dahl, and then Charlie Blackman to actually be Charlie Blackman, that is a lineup. That is the lineup. The, the players on the team go, yeah, we have a good lineup. That's what they're seeing. That's why they say it. So when you scoff off and go, the Rockies lineup, one of the worst in the National League. Yeah, the players are just making it up. They're not making it up. It's coming from somewhere, and that's where it's coming from. Statistically, it has not been good. It's not been good for three years. But if everyone plays up to their level, it could be good. And that's what the players see because the players see the best versions of themselves. The players see the best versions of their team. That's why any year you walk into a spring training and even the Orioles would have told you this year, yeah, I think we can go to the postseason. And they legitimately believe it. Like, I'm telling you. Like, I covered the Rockies teams in 2015-14. They thought they were going to the postseason. We all know how ludicrous that was. And I'm not saying, again, on the lineup thing, I'm not saying that either the Rockies or the fans are ludicrous for believing that. I think the Rockies actually have some real stake to their claim on that one. But I think they have a lot of proof to back up that talk. And I think the fans are right to be skeptical on that. As are this entire year. Because this is a big year in terms of expectation and continuing to sustain success, as Jeff Breidich has called it a thousand times. So that's where I think the Rockies stand right now. Herman Marquez, how will he follow up his performance tomorrow from his great outing the other day? I want to see, and I don't want to see Herman Marquez struggle. That's not what I'm rooting for. 
But I want to see how Herman Marquez this year, when he does struggle, bounce back from that. And that's going to tell me if Herman Marquez is truly a Cy Young. Because I think he's got it in him, but I want to see him struggle in a year where everything's going right and then bounce back. And I don't know if that's this year. It might be next year. But I want to just continue to watch Herman Marquez and Kyle Freeland because no matter what the Rockies do this year, that's going to be special. And as many times as I talked about late last season, hey, fall in love with these Rockies. There's a lot to love. You know, even if they break your heart, you're going to have a great experience. I'm not there yet with these Rockies. They haven't given us yet anything to really love. I think Ryan McMahon, two run home run today, or two home runs today, and Herman Marquez's game in San Francisco the other day, I think these are the building blocks for us to start loving this baseball team. But it hasn't happened yet. And it's hard to love a 7-12 and baseball team. So. It's very early. I'll calm your nerves. But the Rockies still have a lot of work to do. And today was a good step in terms of getting healthy, in terms of proving some of their off-season plans are maybe going to work, and beating a team that is a playoff contender. Come to the Blake Street Tavern. I'm here literally after every game. Uh, eating, drinking. It's the best food at this time in town. It's really good alcohol at reasonable prices. And, of course, the sports are on. And the sports need to be on wherever I'm on. No. The sports need to be on wherever I'm at. Yeah. Not, yeah. No. Don't, don't do that. All right. Uh, I'm Jake Shapiro. Follow me on Twitter at Shapalicious. You can email the show, rockyroadpodcast at gmail.com. Thank you, Tyler, for sending me a bunch of emails about how much you missed the show uh, and not giving me anxiety at all. No anxiety there, buddy. <laughs> Keep emailing me. He, Mr. TB Shaw on Twitter. He has my email, and he just emails me all the time. RockyRoadPodcast at gmail.com. You all have my email. You can all bother me now. I don't know. Tech, you know text messages make me anxious? That's why I don't text you back sometimes, because I have anxiety over texting. Yeah. All right. Cool. Uh, I love the Talking Heads playing at the Blake Street Tavern right now. And you can hear them, too, if you come here. Thank you to RocksPile.com, and thank you to you for listening to the show. Uh, I will talk to you soon, and I got it under 20 minutes, so you're welcome for the rest of your commute being filled with whatever Rockies podcast you listen to that's not as good as mine. See you later. It's big. I'm still dreaming in the doorway of Yes, hey. But in the end